Before we launch into this episode, we'd love some feedback from our listeners. Right now, the housing market and real estate in general are very confusing. To help with this, we're preparing an annual housing market update on the podcast with real estate and investing professionals Jesse Taff of Waypoint Real Estate Group and Bryce Gonser of Fulcrum Home Loans. They've been a huge help to Natalie and I with recent investment choices, and we want to share some of their knowledge with our listeners. What questions do you have about investing in real estate in Idaho? What are your concerns moving into 2024? Please send your questions to us at theboisebubble at gmail.com. If you have specific real estate questions you would like to ask Jesse or Bryce directly, you can reach out to them on Instagram at at Jesse underscore Taff, T-A-F-F, and at Bryce underscore Gonser, G-O-N-S-E-R. This is the Boise Bubble Podcast. Welcome back to the conversation. It's not every day you meet a doctor who has made being a doctor their side gig. That's an obvious exaggeration, but it's what our friend and sponsor, Dustin Portella of Treasure Valley Dermatology has done. Dr. Portella's success at building a local skincare network across the Treasure Valley has been rivaled and perhaps overshadowed by his rise in dominant social media platforms, TikTok and Instagram, which he has used to great effect in achieving his mission of making high quality skincare accessible to everyone. Dr. Portella joins us to talk about not only basic skincare, but separating facts and relevant data from noise and misinformation, the way social media has become a tool for doctors to bypass the complicated insurance mega complex to get medical information into the hands of the public, and his mission to help disadvantaged communities get access to skincare and cancer screening. We even razz him a bit about his personal transformation from skinny Steve Rogers to ripped Captain America. We're so pleased with the value the Treasure Valley Dermatology Group adds to our community and invite you to learn more about them on the web, on the gram, and on TikTok. Dustin, thanks for coming onto the podcast and into our home today. Yeah, it's my pleasure. It's uh, been a long time coming. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. yeah. Um, Natalie and I know you for a few years now, um, outside of your current capacity, but um, why don't you give everybody just a quick in- introduction about who you are, what are you doing, because you've got your hands in so many pots, it yeah. feels like. You're doing a lot. Yeah, I am doing a lot. Um, you know, first and foremost, I am a board-certified dermatologist and the founder of Treasure Valley Dermatology here in um, Boise. Uh, We're moving into Meridian. We're building a new building right now. And that is my day job. That is my passion. I went to school for a long time to be able to do that. And since moving back to Idaho, I am an Idaho native. I grew up in southeast Idaho. Um, I have expanded what I'm trying to do far beyond the walls of my clinic to try to impact more people and to promote, you know, good health information. Yeah. So you you guys have uh, currently two locations here in the Valley for Treasure Valley Dermatology, correct? We, we have three, actually. Oh, three? Yeah. I'm behind. Yeah. So we opened up in Caldwell uh, in February of this year. So we have a clinic in Caldwell near the hospital. We have a location on the St. Al's campus over off of Curtis Road. 
And then our main clinic is currently off of Eagle Road, but within the next two months, we're moving on to Fairview, um, just west of Eagle Road. All right. I can't believe how fast that went. It just seems like not too long ago that you were just opening that. Yeah, uh, it feels like like my sense of gauging time is way off because I think that you just started, right? You just had your first office on Eagle Road, and now you've got three, plus all this other business that you're doing. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it it feels like it was just yesterday to me as well. It's been a whirlwind. Yeah, yeah. Um, Natalie, you introduced me to Dustin. Um, tell us a little bit about how you two met. Oh, um, so you reached out to do some social media work with me, and then we ended up just like getting along, and you hired me to take over social media for a while, mm-hmm. um, which is funny now because, <laughs> as we probably will mention, you're a little bit of a social media star now. Um, uh, TikTok and all the things, but in the very beginning, you were a little, you weren't really interested in doing social media. So I did, uh, the beginnings of social media for Treasure Valley Dermatology, had to learn a lot of terms very quickly. (laughs) I'm always messaging like, am I saying this right? Um, but, uh, so I have gotten to see this development of your social media um, rise. It's been kind of crazy. Do you want to talk a little bit about what that has been all about? Yeah. I mean, you really were the inspiration to get started. Oh, sure I was. No, I will give you credit for that because when we were first opening the clinic, we were going to have an open house. You know, we'd been open a couple of months. We'd worked out some of the kinks and so we're like, all right, we're going to have an open house. How do I get the word out about this? And a friend of mine was like, hey, you should hire Hello Meridian and see if she'll come to your open house. And so that's when I reached out to you on Instagram. I had no idea how, you know, quote unquote, influencing worked. And I was like, come to the open house. And um, you gave me a lot of advice on how to promote it. You know, we could do a giveaway, something like that. And then over the next few weeks, the number of patients that came in the door because they saw about us on Hello Meridian, I was like, there's power in this. This is really great. Mm-hmm. And I was just, you know, barely treading water, trying to keep the practice going. I wasn't paying myself a salary or anything like that. And so when I you know, wanted to expand our social media reach, you were the first one that I thought of turning to. And, and when I had discovered that you did help at that time to manage other local pages. And, and so I, you know, we hired you to help run the page for Treasure Valley Dermatology and saw the success that that brought in to get our message out there that after a year or so of that, I decided that I would try to build a personal brand on social media to kind of expand that reach. And the intention really was to just do it locally, mm-hmm. to try to bring more people in the door, to try to grow the clinic, to make sure that my employees who were getting paid, that I could pay myself, that I could put food on the table. And then it, you know, TikTok came along and it blew up and went far beyond my wildest dreams. <laughs> I remember yeah. you texting me and you're like, hey, uh, what do you think of TikTok? I'm like, I don't, it seems like a bunch of like Gen Z's like dancing. It seems kind of stupid. And you're like, <laughs> I'm going to try it. And then like and a week later, you're like, my video has like millions of views. It was the one you did, I think of freezing like a wart or yeah. something. And I'm like, wait, what? And then it just went, it kind of went crazy. How many followers do you have on TikTok now? So at, at this point, we're at 2.4 million. Yeah, that's something. That's so. awesome. And you won a pretty big award like uh, that I didn't know was an award when you went to New York. What was that award that you won? Yeah, so a year ago, um, I was recognized by the Melanoma Research Foundation, which, of course, their whole mission is to eliminate melanoma or to you know make it a completely curable disease. And um, they recognized me as the influencer of the year because, of course, one of the biggest things that I talk about is sunscreen and skin cancer prevention. 
So that's a core message that I share on social media and it aligned with their values. And so they recognized me for my work there. We got to go to New York to like a gala, black tie event, meet, you know, celebrities. Andy Cohen was the MC and, and really had a, a great evening, but ultimately supporting their overall mission kind of reinforced what I'm trying to do. Yeah. I, I you like it so much. You had it tattooed on, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is part that of is your true. identity now. Yeah. <laughs> so for people that don't follow me, uh, there is a company that started in New York called Ephemeral Tattoos, and they have developed an ink that will fade with time. Uh, you don't have to get laser tattoo removal. It's essentially the same, made of the same stuff like dissolving sutures are made out of, mm. just a liquefied form with black dye. And uh, they estimated nine to 15 months these tattoos would completely fade. And so I thought for social media, it'd be great to go get one. And I, I have to do it in such a way that like represents what I'm trying to do on social media because it's not going to be there forever. So I, on the inside of my left arm, I have a heart tattoo and I modeled it after the old sailor's tattoo with mm -hmm. a heart yeah. and mom inside. And mine just says SPF for sunscreen and it's all <laughs> flowery and all this stuff. This really is funny. a man who is committed to his craft. <laughs> I know. Is it still there? It is still very oh, much oh, there yeah, and we that. are well over two years. <laughs> so <laughs> it is not fading nearly as fast as they yeah. had estimated. Hmm. How do all they right. apply it? Do they, is it, um, is it? the needle technique like the traditional tattoos or yeah. is it like sticker no, tell it's me how the same thing it says painful right yeah yeah so it still so uses you paid a needle the price i okay. paid the price that's a badass spf <laughs> tattoo <laughs> so i um you know i wasn't upset i do i do want it to fade at some point but i did go back they opened up a studio in la and when i was down in la i went and got another one on the back of my leg and that one is like more personal. It represents my medical journey. It's got an anatomic looking brain and heart and DNA. And then my kids' names are woven into the DNA. Mm. Um, but that one gets more sunlight on the back of my legs, whereas this one on the inside of my arm almost never sees the sun. And so that one is already fading more than the one on my arm. And it's less than a year old. Right. I would guess that with what you do and your skin checks, you see some interesting tattoos. <laughs> I, I see some really, really interesting tattoos. When I was doing a skin check uh, in residency, I had a guy and he just wanted his face looked at. And I was like, why don't you slip your shirt off? Let's take a look at your back. And he's like, no, it's okay, it's okay. And um, I was like, you know, most melanomas in men are found on the back and you can't see it. You've never been to a derm. Why don't we just take a look? And he was hesitant, he's like, okay. But if you, if you look, you can't laugh at my tattoo. <laughs> and I was like, no problem. Like, we see all sorts of stuff. And he takes off his shirt. And I lost it. Like, <laughs> I could not. There's so many interesting parts about your story that we could rap about. But, like, um, uh, your use of social media in your business model, I find that very interesting. I mean, you, the way that you just now described it, you're struggling to get this thing going. You're not even paying yourself. But somehow your presence on social media was a real strategic business move. And now it's to the point that you've expanded significantly. Yeah, so... When I took to social media, the goal was just to bring people in, in the doors locally. And Instagram is very good for that because you can really focus on a local community. And I had read Gary Vaynerchuk's book called Crushing It, and it was all about building a brand on social media. And in his book, he talks about this new and upcoming social media platform, which was, was then called Musical.ly and is now called TikTok. And he said, if you're trying to build a brand, this is the place to start now. And so I said, okay, let's do it. That's, I'm going to go on TikTok. And so I started building on TikTok 
not really knowing that TikTok was not algorithmically designed to build a local audience. It was designed to build a national and or international audience. And so the views started coming in, the videos went viral, uh, the followers just came in droves. And pretty soon I had, you know, a couple hundred thousand followers within a few months. And they were from all over the United States, all over the world. And so it presented new opportunities because pretty quickly when you have a following, brands want to reach out, they want to work with you, they want you to promote their products. And so although I get that opportunity now to work with brands and to essentially have a business through social media that is complementary to what I try to do in the clinic, that was not the intention when I got started with it. Mm. Interesting. So I, I think in the beginning, what I, like when I started in social media, it was just the very beginning, you're kind of making it up. And I feel like that's what I've seen from you too, because there just wasn't a lot to look at for TikTok because it was brand new. Mm -hmm. But I know that as we chatted, you were talking, you talked so much about the value you were going to bring. And I think that's what's very different from a lot of accounts is because um, we have a whole generation that's very focused on vanity views and um, but you didn't, you didn't really go that route. Um, so what has been your, I guess, your, your plan for what you're providing to people who are, who are watching you? Yeah. This is something that I think is an inequity in healthcare that, um, you know, if my parents have a problem, if my kids have a problem, I have the ability to just call up a doctor in their area and say, hey, I need you to see my mom. I need you to see my dad. Or my dad was going to the ER and I, I just call the ER and I get to talk to the doctor and say, hey, he has this allergy. Make sure you don't give him this medication because he may not remember, whatever it is. And um, so that is a privilege that I have as a physician. And many physicians get this type of treatment where we can, we, we have insider knowledge and we have access to other doctors and we can make sure that our family is well taken care of. And that's not something that most people have because they just simply don't have the information. And so I, I, you know, I can't make personal phone calls for everybody that follows me online, but I can provide them with information that my family, you know, has access to. And so when I see that a lot of questions are coming in about a particular topic, I can do a video on that and I can say, here's the things you need to know, or here's some new and upcoming treatments for, you know, hydradenitis or psoriasis or whatever it happens to be. And I, I like to talk about more than just dermatology and skincare because I have the education to do that. And so trying to close the gap between the you know, knowledge that most people don't have and that, that I do is important that I, that I do that through social media. And that's something that I find very rewarding. And when I have people send me a message and say, I got my skin checked because of you, they caught a skin cancer very early. That was, you know, a melanoma or, you know, I didn't know that I had this condition and you enlightened me and now I'm getting treated and my quality of life has improved. That's very rewarding. And I really think that's what social media should be used for is those kinds of things. You know, it's, it's fun to get views. It's fun to do brand partnerships and to go on trips with brands. It's very, it's very fun, but it's not the same level of rewarding feeling that you get when you know that you're truly helping people because as cliche as it sounds, that's why everybody goes into medicine, right? Like I want to help people. And you can truly help people through social media in a way that you try to do one-on-one -on -one with your patients. Mm. So do any doctors or any of your peers find this to be a negative thing? Like what have you, what response or feedback have you received? So early on with um, TikTok, I was maybe the first dermatologist, if not one of the first couple on there. And then pretty quickly, you know, there was a dozen of us and there was this whole complement of dermatologists on Twitter 
and doctors on Twitter that are like, TikTok doctors, like, this is so unprofessional. This is the worst thing. And I'm like, that's what people were saying about you five years ago when you were like sharing information on Twitter. And I felt an obligation to go to where the conversation is happening. And for a lot of young consumers, the conversation's not happening on X or Twitter. Like, that's not where they're at. And if we don't go to these areas where the conversation is happening, they're going to get potentially bad information. And so I do think that doctors have a responsibility, if they have the desire to do it, to be on these platforms and share accurate information that can help people's lives to correct the misinformation out there. And that's what I approached my content with initially. I was seeing people who were unqualified talking about how this skincare product is awful for you. And I'm like, that's, that's simply not true. And the fact that you're trying to scare people away from a $9 cleanser so that they go buy a $50 cleanser, that's, that's hurting people. That's not doing anybody any good. So I, I think that's important to be where the conversation is happening. I find a lot of value in this, mainly just as a, as a consumer of um, uh, uh, the healthcare service, right? Um, it is so complicated now just to find basic information and to go to a doctor the, these days is even more complicated. Um, Natalie, you, you just had an experience recently where you went in for um, a routine wellness visit and ended up getting charged a, a ridiculous amount for other stuff that was just wrapped into it because I think that you had mentioned like another non-covered situation or condition oh, yeah well I went to my OBGYN and then she's like is there anything else you want to talk about and I was like oh well I'm having some trouble sleeping because for the last hundred years that's what you did yeah your doctor was there to talk to you about your concerns and so um I said yeah I'm having some trouble sleeping and she said do you want to try this and I said sure and then I got a bill for like six hundred dollars for like a secondary visit because yeah. a whole different visit and I I was um I was mentioning this on my page and what I'm realizing is that this is the movement it's going but no one's finding it out until they're getting the bill yeah um and so what's happening is that we're either afraid to go to the doctor or to even ask questions when you're at the doctor to the one person that you have contact with who is um who's qualified to answer and that is terrifying yeah mm. yeah it is it's unfortunate so for us people it's great to get information real qualified information out there without having to jump through these hoops uh, me and so many people in america i think that we're just disenfranchised with this system it doesn't work all that well so to find another avenue to get good information man i applaud it i'm surprised that more more physicians and more peers are not into this. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's really a tragic part of healthcare to know that so many patients are so frustrated and, and literally being crushed by the system financially. And I don't think a lot of patients appreciate how significant burnout is among physicians as well, because many physicians feel powerless to change the system. Especially when, if they're bought up by private equity groups or large hospital systems, there's really no influence that they have on changing that day-to-day -day system and experience for a patient. When you were going to school, did they educate you on insurance in the system, anything like that? Or was it just the technical side of it? No, it was, it was strictly the technical side, learning how to understand disease processes, make a diagnosis, prescribe treatments, and we didn't get you know any really any education on how the health insurance system works, how the health care system works. And so that is a frustrating part for both doctors and patients is that 
there's so many differences. And I, I did a podcast on how to understand your health insurance on my podcast. And most people don't know how that works. And when a patient comes to me and I'm going to do a biopsy, I cannot tell them what that's going to cost them in the end. Even though I try to be very conscious about that with my patients, I don't know exactly what their plan is. I don't know where their deductible's at. I don't know what my contracted agreement is with their particular insurance and their subplan. And so the cost is nebulous and it's intentionally, I believe it's intentionally confusing for both patients and for doctors. And so the only way around that is like a direct care system, but that's not accessible to many people because you know you're paying out of pocket for that. You can't use your insurance. Mm -hmm. And although the price transparency is wonderful, it's still limited to certain people who have the luxury to afford that. Yeah, I was actually talking to a friend uh, who's a doctor and asked if she ever was just paid for it to be a liaison. We're basically, what I want is somebody who is just invested in my health and my family's health, and then everything goes through them. Because I get so frustrated and I'll be presented with a couple options, and it's like, I'm not a doctor. Like, I can't answer these things, nor can I do, like, the research necessary to make these choices. I'm like, where how, can I hire per hour just a liaison to, like, take this off my off my mental plate because the amount of research I'm just doing and often I am going to TikTok, which I do like that because at least it's fast and it's, um, you know, but I'm, I'm like, then I'm researching to make sure that they're certified to be saying these things. It just doesn't seem like it should be this difficult, but it, it is. It, it is. is that yeah. It's, it's really unfortunate. Mm. And, but so moving with that, like, I know that we've talked about this quite a bit. You, you're interested in kind of going about things a little bit differently. I kind of think you're a little bit of a rule breaker. I'm just going to say, I kind of feel like that. Um, a little rebellious, but like you have some other than TikTok, you have some plans moving forward for how you're going to kind of, um, I guess your distribution for healthcare in the treasure Valley. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so we're, I mean, clearly we're still doing the traditional model. I have a clinic, we're building a new building that's way bigger than what we have. So our capacity to see patients, because I believe we deliver better care than, than any practice. And that's not to dig on any practice. There's, I, I love all the other dermatologists in town, but we really try to go the extra mile for our patients to make sure they're getting the type of care that I would want my own family to get. And when a patient asks me about, you know, they, they're not sleeping well, because I, I ask about those things. You know, they're not getting an extra bill from us. Part of that is that skin cancer screenings are not a recommended preventative service from the national governing body. So that blows my mind. It is. It's crazy because the, the if you can catch a skin cancer early, it's 99 percent, you know, survival rate. But they currently conclude that the cost of providing free skin cancer screenings to everybody at a certain age is not worth the money that would be saved. Whereas if you are 45, your insurance has to cover a colonoscopy. If you're 40 and you're a female, your insurance has to cover a mammogram. And so that is a covered benefit. I didn't. (laughs) It was one little extra thing, and so they charged me the entire thing. Right. (laughs) So if you go in for your wellness screening, that should be covered because that has been identified as a necessary service. But then you bring up sleep, you bring up something that's not part of that, mm-hmm. and you're not only getting your insurance billed for the preventative visit, which hopefully should be covered, then you're also getting an evaluation and management for some completely new problem, because it's not lumped into that. But because dermatology screening is not considered a preventative service, 
if a patient asks me about, you know, sleep or exercise because they saw me on social media or something, if I discuss that with them, it may slightly increase the complexity of their visit and we go up from a level three to a level four or something like that, but I'm not billing them two completely separate management services. Right. So um, if that clarifies things, but we're still doing the traditional model. Like I think that for most people in the Treasure Valley, being a, a strictly concierge dermatologist is not a successful business model and it doesn't serve people very well. Most what does people that mean? Where you're just cash only. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. So you would opt out from all insurances, opt out of Medicare, and you just take flat rate payments for your visits, flat rate payments for procedures, things like that. And so, but one of the things that I've wanted to do since I was in medical school kind of stemmed from this homeless camp outreach club that I participated in where we would go out on Sundays and we would just visit with homeless people in Des Moines where I was going to school. And as medical students, we couldn't do much, but we would take them coffee, we'd take them fresh water, we'd take them cat food, dog food, a lot of them have pets, clean socks, batteries for their flashlights, and just some company and a warm cup of coffee and talk and just understand what they're going through. And then about once a quarter, the... Um, medical school had a great big motor home that had an exam room in it. And we would go and set up and the homeless people knew, you know, what days we were coming, we'd let them know. They'd come in, we'd refill their medications, we'd get experience as medical students doing physical exams. And I found that to be really rewarding. Then they had a runner that would go to the pharmacy and pick up their prescriptions for them. And I thought at that time that regardless of the specialty that I ended up going into, I would find a way to do that because I loved it. And I thought it was such a valuable service. And so a few months ago, we purchased a Class A motorhome uh, from Bish's RV. Uh, shout out to them. I still paid for it. They're not sponsoring me or anything. <laughs> <laughs> but they've done really good to help us design this um, as a custom RV where we have two exam rooms. We have the ability to carry all the type of equipment we would need and our goal is to go to Terry Riley clinics, to the homeless shelters, and provide skin cancer screenings and necessary dermatological services. And then as we get that process refined, I want to start traveling out to outlying communities. I want to go out to Salmon, Chalice, Grangeville, Bear Lake, where people have to drive three, four hours just to see a dermatologist. And if we can go out there and work with family doctors to see patients that need dermatology care, help educate the family doctors to follow up with these patients, like, hey, we're starting them on this medication, Here's the kind of follow-up intervals that are going to be needed. Please call me with questions, and let's make sure these patients are not getting skin cancer or not having their life severely impacted by skin disease when it could be easily prevented. And so we are funding this initiative that is likely to be you know, a net loss for the practice, but it's a passion project that I, I think is necessary, and I have the luxury to do that because of social media where we can go out and serve far more people and educate through social media on what we're doing. And uh, I'm super excited to see that start to come to life. So we'll have the motor home um, finish the customized. Uh, within a week or two from Bish's, we're going to wrap it on the outside with the clinic logo, and uh, we're going to hit the road. Sweet. Do you have like, um, like a plan? Where do you plan on going first? So we, we'll most likely start with like Terry Riley clinics, right. where uh, the majority of the people have Medicaid. And unfortunately, not all of the dermatologists in town accept Medicaid patients. And if they do, they're likely to limit the number that can come through every month. And part of that is just a whole nother issue with the medical system, mm. um, with the reimbursements that are provided by Medicaid. Um, but we can go there and we can see a lot of patients in a day. I'd like to work with the women's shelter and the homeless you know, shelters here in town because whenever I've traveled to a big city and I see homeless people, I, I do I stop and talk to them. 
I can't tell you the number of skin cancers that I've seen growing off their faces. And I'm like, Jesus, yeah. this could have been treated. You know, yeah, they're long definitely time ago. not. <laughs> I'm guessing sunscreen is not no, the no. number one thing <laughs> that they <laughs> they're, have. They're so, and they're, they're outside a lot. Yeah. Um, that's incredible. So I think a lot of people hearing that would be like, I mean, that's obviously an amazing thing that we, is needed here. How does someone in the Treasure Valley help with that? Like, do you, are you looking for help, like for businesses to sponsor that kind of thing? Or um, I, it just seems like you have a lot on your plate and I'm trying to imagine you doing this all yourself. Yeah, yeah. How are you going to make that happen? Yeah, I mean, I have a good team at the clinic um, that, that is going to help manage kind of the logistics of it. But it is an expensive project. When you are paying for a motorhome, you've got to put gas in that thing. You've got to pay the insurance and, and all of that. So uh, if there are businesses that find that that would be a mission worth supporting, I would love to talk to them, whether it's um, you know, convenience stores that want to just help us put gas in there or a pharmacy that wants to help fill medications for patients. You know, that kind of stuff would be amazing help. And I'm not looking to personally, you know, take money in to get paid for doing it, but I would love to partner with businesses that see the value in doing that for the community. Mm. So and we want to do, um, you know, the, the outlying communities get out there, but I would love to do corporate events too. If your business says, hey, I, I think it'd be really valuable if we just had all our employees offered a free skin cancer screening. We'd love to come to the business and open up in the parking lot and just make sure none of your employees have a skin cancer that's going to take them out of the workforce. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty. I mean, you, um, you helped a family member of mine who had um, skin cancer. And it was funny, you actually messaged me saying, um, you need to get him in here because I think he has skin cancer. You yeah. saw on Instagram. <laughs> do you remember that? Yeah, I do, I do. And, and like, this is somebody who just, there's a whole generation that is not as aware um, of the importance of, of SPF and all of that. But if, if my family member had literally no idea that they had skin cancer and you could see it from a photo, I just think how many people are in need of that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm. And if you can catch it early, it's such an easier thing to treat than letting something go way too long. Yeah. Well, I love the, the approach. The van just feels like such a creative solution. I feel just that the old traditional systems and structures and uh, solutions are not working as well. And so we have to... I, I love a creative approach to try to get healthcare into the hands of people who need it. Yeah. That's and, great. And ultimately, I, I think that's why we go into medicines. We do want to help people. And I recognize that doing a, a mobile clinic where you're not building very many people is not a great business model and that most most physicians in any specialty couldn't do that. But because of social media, uh, it gives me that luxury. And I feel that it's an obligation that I have to make what was initially just want your desire to become a reality. And um, so I, I do see it as an obligation, but a passion project that I'm excited about. Yeah, yeah. you have a lot going on. Um, <laughs> like, let's see, your skincare line. And and you're also, so I've noticed you're you're actually moving a little bit more into just general health. You, you did compete in something kind of cool, a physique competition, which you placed. Mm -hmm. um, we have the same trainer, of which my relationship with my trainer is mostly just texting memes at this point. But I do hope to get back to training can, with him soon. Can I pause you? Did you say a physique competition? Yeah, that's what you call it now. Is, so it's not bodybuilding? So bodybuilding is a different category. Okay. So when you think of bodybuilding, those are like the biggest guys. And they're wearing a Speedo on stage. But they're, I mean, they're... They're a lot bigger. So you didn't average. wear a Speedo? So I did You're not saying? wear a Speedo. Okay. I was in the board shorts. 
So bodybuilding is the biggest. I thing. I was There's disappointed with that, by the way. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Natalie's pro speedo, more speedos, like, more speedos. If we need more like speedos the point, in the world, but that's fine. Mm. And so then there's classic physique, which is kind of a, a step in between, and then men's physique, which is primarily focused on the aesthetics of the upper body, right. um, and they wear board shorts at the competition. And so as an entry level competitor, I did men's physique. Um, and it was a great experience. I turned 40 this year and, uh, it's been a long time since I competed in anything. I used to do a lot of road races and I just enjoyed the value of competing, of doing something hard. And I hadn't done that in a long time. So talking to Trevor, um, our mutual trainer, you know, we said, let's, let's go for it. Let's set a goal. Let's work for it. Let's do something hard. And, uh, this is a good year to, to do it. Dude, nothing but re respect. Like it, it People may not have known the old Dustin, but when I look at you now, I think, do you know what comes to my mind is um, Captain America. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Originally when he's this little skinny guy, and then they put him in the cryopod, and he pops out, and he's Dustin Portella today. Yeah. That's you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I... Early on on social media, I was like, you look like Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory. And I'm like, that is not what I want to identify. <laughs> no, Captain So I appreciate America the Captain the America comparison much more. Yeah. And totally. then um, you are doing a turkey trot uh, community thing this month. Is that correct? Yeah. So this is just part of what I do in my day-to-day -day life is I, I've always enjoyed working out and I have found some of the most valuable conversations in my clinic when I'm sitting down with somebody who wants to change their life for the better, not just to like make their rash go away or to make sure they don't have skin cancer. But when somebody's saying like, hey, I'm not sleeping well or I'm super stressed, that's impacting me. Um, I'm, you know, overweight by, you know, who knows how much, like, do you have any advice? Because they see that I've done this. And so at this point, I'm like, you know, I'm doing this stuff anyway. Why don't I invite people to join with me in doing this? Now, doing a physique competition is not necessarily a community type of event because it requires so much preparation. It's very intense. It's certainly not the type of activity everybody wants to participate in. But looking forward, I thought, you know, there's a turkey trot here in Boise or pretty much every city in the United States. So I just announced that to my followers that, hey, register for a turkey trot, run it, take a photo at the finish line and tag me on Instagram and let's let's work together to improve our health. And you can do that. You can show up for a turkey trot and you can walk three miles without having to have trained and it's going to be good for you. And then we're going to pick a new goal and we're going to do it as a community. And I, I, I think it just fosters the overall attitude of let's take care of ourselves. The healthcare system's confusing. It's expensive. It's difficult to access. So what if we just encourage the type of behaviors that over the long term will minimize the chances that somebody needs to interact with the healthcare system? If you can't always count on the healthcare system to give you accurate information or to fix a problem that's there, let's do our best to prevent that problem from happening. I love it. Awesome. Man, it inspires me to get outside and do something. Yeah? Yeah. Put some sunscreen on your face. I'll do that first. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming. This is so great. And I'm really excited about um, seeing your mobile um, clinic. And we'll definitely be talking about that more. 
Um, and maybe we'll even do the turkey trot. Shane, you said you do want to do a physique competition. Is that what I heard you say? I think that you heard that no, I think way wrong. I, I thought she wanted you to do the body, but she yeah. wants you in a Speedo. Full on body. <laughs> yeah, that was my main takeaway all, is yeah. more Speedos. And I can buy that today. Yeah, yes. actually. Amazon will have it in my hands tomorrow. Right. <laughs> hey, um, you, uh, where can people find you? You're in so many places. Yeah, Give so. us the TikTok, the Gram. Your podcast, uh, ramble yeah, off all yeah. the places so where people everything can find is at Dr. Dustin Portella, D R D U S T I N P O R T E L A. So that's my handle on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. It's the Dr. Dustin Portella podcast. So that's where I am. And um, I have a text message platform as well. So if you're in the local, you, you can be anywhere in the United States, but 208 203 0767, you can text me. And that's the you know best way to be a part of that community where we're sending out alerts on. The programs, the activities that we're doing, fostering community there. So um, join on text message if you are not on social media. Sweet. Dustin, thanks for everything that you're doing for the community. Thank you. It's a, it's a pleasure um, to, to see everything you guys are doing as well, uh, fostering those relationships and just building up everybody. Cool. Awesome. Thank you. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks for listening. This is the Boise Bubble Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave a five-star review. Follow us on Instagram at the Boise Bubble. And for more information about our community, follow at Hello Meridian. See you next time. Thanks again to our sponsors, Jesse Taff of Waypoint Real Estate Group and Bryce Gonser of Fulcrum Home Loans for supporting local dialogue. Find them on the web at www.waypointidaho.com and www.fulcrumhomeloans.com dot com to learn more.